Like if the Jays win the World Series, I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, well, it doesn't count because it's in a 60-game <laughs> schedule. I'm going to be really excited. Crazy brand of DH everywhere, runners on second in extra innings, 60-game sprint. It's going to be going to be wild. Don't start them on second base. It's congratulations. We're going to get bunt, intentional walk, intentional walk. Like, that's going to happen yeah. how many times? And welcome to episode number 174 of Artificial Turf Wars. We, like the Cape Crusader, are only here because the commissioner activated the at-bat signal. Uh, I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by not only the uh, imperfect uh, Joshua Housem. <laughs> imperfect, but, huh? <laughs> well, I, I always end up with I words when I'm trying to do adjectives. Uh, and the incredible Nick Dyka. Nick! Hey, uh, well, thanks, for, thanks for having me, guys. Expanded rosters. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In honor of, uh, so much, much to the chagrin of the owners, uh, it looks like they are, are have decided that they kind of have to play baseball this year. So, baseball is hypothetically back. We're going to talk about when, how, where. In case you've uh, not been following along, waiting for something to actually happen, we're, we're going to fill you in on the details. Uh, how the schedule is going to work uh, as well. Then the rosters are a little bit different. And then I think we're probably going to spend most of our time on all the problems that this season might create and how that's going to play out for Toronto and maybe specifically uh, some of the players uh, that, uh, that were kind of on the cusp of joining the big league team for Toronto. We, of course, have your question, uh, which you I'm sure you have 5,000 because it's been so long where things can pile up. Anyway, we shall begin. Josh, uh, what is the spring training start date at the moment? Uh, so players are supposed to report July 1st, and then the actual camps will open on July 3rd, I believe was what they announced. Worst spring training timing ever. Summer training. It's not spring <laughs> training, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, have, have they even settled, guys, on where spring training or when these camps are, like, where these camps are going to take place for every team? Is, is there a consensus yet? Um, sorry, I'll just answer again. Nick, you can jump in a sec. But I'm pretty sure that for everyone except the Blue Jays, it's going to take place in their home ballparks. Does that seem like an appropriate ramp up to a season for you, Nick? Well, uh, given the kind of U.S. hotspots uh, at the moment, probably not. You know, this this seems like something they should get under control virus wise before. Um, oh, oh that's, another, that's another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I, I guess I think it makes more sense than all congregating in, in Florida and Arizona uh, than th to have everybody in their in their home cities. Um, yeah, we still don't know what's going to happen with the Jays, though. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I feel like getting into the competitive mindset is going to be uh, kind of difficult. I mean, I don't know if that's the be-all and end-all, but but to simply, I mean, you're you're just trying to get hyped up for something while you kind of hang out with all of your buddies for a couple of weeks who you haven't seen in a while, which will be a nice reunion, I guess, for a lot of people if 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 all goes well. Uh, but does that, you know, fuel the fires, so to speak, of, of getting back to work? And after all that's gone on up to this point, how do you feel as a player, I wonder, if you're coming back into camp um, knowing you're going to make, what is it, 30? You're, you're making your prorated salary, but it's like 37% of a schedule or something? Yeah, I mean, so in terms of the actual the way that the training will work the, at the end of it, they can play some games against the team that they would open up against. So okay. it's, it's not just intra-squads, but uh, it's still only three weeks of camp though, which is like, you know, regular spring training is six weeks of games. So, uh, you know, like even once like everything I say is going to be couched in the, if it happens, but once, <laughs> once they get, once they get back, you're still not going to see pitchers throwing six, seven, eight innings for the first two or three times through the rotation. Probably you're going to see a lot of weirdness where it's like, 
you know, like piggybacking starters, which teams do in the minor leagues, but having that happen in the bigs. Which um, I guess we should talk briefly about, well, so many things to all talk about at once. So it comes down to this, this season is, is going to actually start on, I believe you said, we said July 24th, well, 23rd for some of the teams to kick off fourth for some and 24th, um, you know, to kick off the exciting um, breathtaking return of, of major league baseball, which uh, to me is it's awkward. Like there's, there's an element of trepidation, like you said, if it even happens and then it, is it going to be um, a powder keg of, of sick people after it happens? I just don't know. I think, you know, they are playing professional soccer in Europe right now and uh, I know the EPL publishes a list of COVID tests every week with the amount of people they're testing and the amount of positive tests. And uh, as of the, la- the last round of tests, they, I think, had two people in just under uh, 2,000 that tested positive, which is a pretty small number. Um, if baseball can do anything like that, it seems manageable. But that doesn't sound like what's happening right now. If you know, you're following along with the news, you're hearing nine guys from this camp and ten guys from this organization. So those uh, those numbers though, I think are very misleading. Like with what you're hearing with like, oh, all these people have already tested positive. These are people who were working out at these facilities when they when the protocols there were no health and safety protocols for baseball in place yet. So they were just among the population of the areas they were in, which happened to be Arizona and Florida, which, you know, (laughs) are just hot spots for COVID-19 right now. So I don't think that the number of people that have it already is really a good gauge for how many people will get it once they start playing under whatever rules they play under, I guess. But the biggest thing though, is that they still are going to be playing baseball in the United States, which unlike Europe (laughs) is still going in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I think I agree that you're you're not getting a representative sample right now because the protocols weren't in place. But the question is, that there was four months in which to sequester these complexes and create a protocol. Even even not at the league's direction, any of the teams could have had a very strict, um, you know, admissions policy to the spring training complexes, knowing but how that, do you limit what people are doing outside of their baseball lives? Right. That's sort of the things like you, you can't do that because you can't control them. They're not under contract. They're not doing anything. They're just using your facility to work out. But you're not like the reason the Jays got it is because one of their guys was hanging around with the Phillies players who had it right. That wouldn't happen under the current system. But clearly you're, you were not testing people as they walked through the door for uh, not for COVID necessarily, but even for a fever. Right. Which which. These teams have lots of money. Um, I thought they it, were actually doing that. I, I don't believe. Well, then they've then that doesn't do good. In, you know, that doesn't cover you off. You have to actually actually do a swab test every week, um, which, again, it, it feels like if those are the resources and those resources are in limited supply. To me, it seems unfair that baseball players get to use those resources. Just because they're baseball players. You follow me? Mm hmm. Sure. I mean, I don't know if there's any evidence that actual testing is in short supply. It's just, you know, like whether they, they maybe the processing of the tests. I don't know. But uh, I mean, that's a, that, that this is an entirely different conversation. <laughs> like, like this is so far off the rails. I don't even think it's worth going into like the political aspects of sports returning. But in terms of just whether they can or should, can stay healthy, I don't think. I might, the point is just that what we know now from these players is not at all representative of what would go come for, go going forward. Right. So hope. Okay. So we'll just say for the purposes of the the, the schedule here, we're going to say hopefully there is no large outbreak on any given team. Yeah. So if that happens, the schedule is a sixty game schedule in which you pay play forty games in your own division. And then you pay, play 40 games in the same geographical division in the opposing 20. league. Oh, 20, sorry, my bad, of the opposing league for 60 games. Correct. Is this a meaningful way to determine who the best team in baseball is, Nick? 
I well, I think it's the only way to determine the best team in baseball over such a short period of time. Um, you know, we all know this is not how a regular baseball season works. Uh, but you know, given the state of of the world right now, this is kind of a, the best you can do. And uh, I'm not particularly bothered or offended by it, or I think it's not you know representative of the game or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I'll be I'll be interested to see it as somebody who's been watching a 162 game season for their entire life. This will be kind of like a, a an interesting change up. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, like look, there's going to be so many asterisks is thrown on all the kinds of goofiness that can happen in a 60 game schedule especially when you're playing two thirds of it within your division and there's still wild cards. Like there's still goofiness with it, but you know, it's still baseball. It's still, you know, it's still the, the best players in the world that are healthy playing. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I guess it just like, we got a question about this, which I guess we can just, well, it was Rachel Ho asked the, this question. What are your thoughts on the legitimacy of this season? Rachel at underscore Rachel K H. Um, you know, I don't think it matters is kind of the point. Like it, it, you can just enjoy it for what it is. It doesn't have to be like if the Jays win the world series, I'm not going to be like, ah, well it doesn't count because it's in a 60 game schedule. I'm going to be really excited. Um, you know, given, given how long they dragged their heels about what was going to happen. The fact that it's happening, I think is, uh, is the better case scenario to, to not let the sport die on the vine for an entire year especially prior to the CBA expiring. Um, I think it's, you know, it's key that you have a season. So I agree with you. If, if something, whatever happens in this season is better than nothing happening. And a 60 game season is better than a 40 game season or whatever with expanded playoffs to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. M- more baseball as close as you can get to the baseball. We understand given that you can't get very close at all. Sure. Um, yeah. I would say how this pertains to the Jays in terms of the schedule breakdown is, um, I don't know, Josh, if you remember, but the last time I was on with you guys, I think I was arguing with you that the NL East is actually a a more difficult division than the AL East. And since that's happened, obviously the Red Sox have traded Mookie Betts and Chris Sale's going to be out for the year with Tommy John. Unfortunately, it's just the Jays' luck that, you know, the the one time they get to play a third of their games against the National League, it's it's going to be against you know another stacked division. Yeah, and it's you know I I almost I don't want to say I don't care how it turns out, but I'm kind of on that bubble. It's just like I just want them to get through the season without anything bad happening. <laughs> yeah, but I mean to to what Nick was actually saying though. It is kind of a weird thing with this scheduling because, like, if you're the Minnesota Twins, you're like, well, that team sucks, that team sucks, that team sucks, that team sucks. (laughs) And we're the only team that can hit other than maybe the Cardinals and the Reds. And then you're like the Jays. You're like, okay, so, ooh, Yankees, ooh, Rays, ooh, Nationals, Braves, Phillies. Ah." (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of – it's unfortunate, but – I mean, if it's going to happen, I'd rather it happen like in this, like when the Jays are not really at the point of their competitive window. Then, like say say like they'd gone all in, you know, they went and signed Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon or whatever, and they're like going to push this year as opposed to just try to be better. Then it would really be unfortunate if you're like all of a sudden you're in this randomness and, and you know you have this brutal schedule. Well, yeah, See, seeing a. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine signing someone to to a. I don't know if a, a team has done this off the top of my head. Well, I mean, okay, Mookie Betts is the situation that is, I suppose, that the the craziest of all in this. He gets traded, so he can you know you can use him for one year to really really push. And it almost looked for a little while like he wasn't even going to play a game. <laughs> Are you going to get good value for your Mookie Betts trade at this point? Well, for the Dodgers, it was always whether they win the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. And if they get mm-hmm. to the postseason with Mookie Betts, then it's exactly the same as if they played a whole season. Yeah. Actually, in relation to the to trades, um, it's probably worth mentioning, I believe they moved the trade deadline back a month too. So it's yeah. going to be the end of August. Yeah. 
Well, because otherwise it would be four, four six days, days into this. this. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the really interesting things, and yeah, how we look in. All right. So there were rules. So we didn't talk about the sixty-man player pool as opposed to the thirty-man roster, which is well, thirty, then twenty-eight, then twenty-six. But you can designate thirty extra players who will be playing somewhere like you'll in for the Jays. I think it would be in Buffalo. They would be doing their workouts there. Um, one of the rules that they've made for the trade deadline is that you cannot trade a player who is not in one of these 60 man pools. Well, it certainly tightens up the trade deadline discussions a lot. Yeah. So I think you're going to like these things were, for example, I don't, like, uh, the guys that the Jays got for for Eric Sogard, neither of them would have been in the pools for the Rays at the time. And so I think that these smaller level deals are going to be, you know, less likely to occur. Yeah. So like, like Edison Gonzalez was in low A ball. That's probably not a guy you're including in that group. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think that's kind of a dumb rule. Like you should just be able to trade for a prospect, even if he hasn't been playing. Yeah. I, I think yeah. a lot of these, you know, rules that they've come up with are, are going to be revealed to have some, some serious unintended consequences to them because, you know, they, you're, you're right in this case, it's going to, it's going to cause nobody to trade for a lottery ticket because no lottery tickets are going to be available, generally speaking. Uh, yeah, but I think I think a lot of the rules are going to be like, oh, we didn't really see that coming because no one had ever tried this before. <laughs> Nobody ever thought we'd have to put a restriction on. like contracting the roster as you go through the season from thirty to twenty eight, twenty six. I'm I'm sure there's going to be some weird thing that comes up with the team as they try and shuffle from from one of those to the other, um, and they can't use a player or they've demoted a player or something that they they weren't planning on. Um, there's a whole there's a COVID DL too, is there not? Yes. Wild. Well, yeah, I guess it's just, it's just to differentiate the regular injury because they have to shorten the injured list for for, uh, for just for general because it's a longer season. But also just if a player tests positive and then for some reason like they, they just caught it late or something and then he tests negative twice in like four days, then they shouldn't have to be out the entire time. Or – if he's out longer without having to go on a 60 day or now it's like 47 days or something stupid. But, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I've, that doesn't seem to matter. Like it's just, if they test positive, they go on a separate list. I don't know why that would be a problem, but you, okay. I do have a question. So you, you put a guy on, on the disabled list, regardless, uh, then you've pulled a guy off of, off of the minor league roster list. Of course there are no minor leagues to put him on the 60 man. no, the 60-man list, you cannot add anyone to that during the season unless you remove someone by releasing them or trading them or outrighting them. You know, So it's like an extended 40-man roster. It's now 60 men, but they're not on the 40-man, which I'm not going to try to make this really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm you just, go on the, on the injured list or the disabled list – or sorry, it's just the injured list. If you go on the injured list, you're just no longer on the active – roster which is 30 men to start the season but you're still on the 60 man yes so if a team has a raft of pitching injuries as an example they lose you know six pitchers uh you know in a week because of whatever um just bad luck that there's no way to get past that pool of 60 which is why it was expanded from 40 to 60 well, I'm, I'm the the only exception to this, which I'm not seeing, but which would make sense, is if a guy goes on the equivalent of the 60-day IL, which would remove you from the roster, the 40-man roster under a normal season, I'm guessing they can probably add someone back in that case. But that player wouldn't have been playing, so it wouldn't really have any effect. Like, you're not going to call that guy straight up to the majors. Yeah, exactly. So you got to put him in a – that's why I'm like – so he has to start getting warmed up in camp because he hasn't been anywhere that he can. But that's why it's 60 yeah. people, right? So right. it's like you'll have some prospects playing and then all of your – so like if you're the Blue Jays, so we can take this now to the Jays because we haven't – we've just been talking generally mostly. <clears throat> if you're the Blue Jays, like all of a sudden when you're when you're starting the team, you can throw in you know Anthony Kay, Ryan Barucki, TJ Zoik, 
you know, and Thomas Hatch, all of these guys, um, and then send them down into that 60 man so that like guys that are ready to help you would still be pitching. Right. In your taxi squad, so to speak. Yeah. For lack of a better description. Yeah. I feel like the Jays have kind of like an interesting, an interesting roster for this expanded 60 man group because they do have like uh, Josh mentioned all these kind of like six starter types and you know uh, they didn't have the spots to, to basically house them on, on a standard 26 man roster. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how they kind of play with this depth given the shorter season. And, and again, like Josh mentioned earlier, the fact that workloads are going to be so low um, especially at the beginning of the season, you know, are they going to keep a bunch of these, starters in the bullpen because their starting five are only going to be able to go you know three to four innings their their first few times through the order yeah and that's kind of the the advantage of having like you mentioned like all these guys that are back of the rotation types or with potential for more like i think anthony k can be more than that but it's like say they go with the expected starting five of ryu rourke shoemaker chase anderson and trent thornton then you can like be piggybacking with Shun Yamaguchi, uh, Ryan Baraki, Anthony K, like, and then you know, so that you're getting the innings, and then you have like Sam Gavilio to eat up some innings, Anthony Bass, guys that can do that. To, and then as the roster shrinks, which is after two weeks, I believe, then mm-hmm. by then your regular starters should be stretched out a bit more. Fingers crossed. And then you also get two weeks to decide who's actually good enough to be in there as opposed to just spring training. So, like, it helps a guy like Anthony Alford, for example, if he's added as an extra roster player. You know, all of a sudden he's not out of options at the end of spring training. He gets until the roster's cut down to show that he belongs. And it also might make it harder for a team to add him if he goes on waivers. My mind is just buzzing. A lot of machinations going on that uh, are new, that's for all, sure. All of them machinations. Uh, the one name that you have avoided is the one name I have written down in the notes. What of Nate Pearson and he of his service time? <laughs> yeah, so the, the reason I didn't mention him specifically, so because of the way that the deal is worded, that you get your prorated service time, so like they're the equivalent. So like if you if you're active for all sixty games, you get a full season. If it's forty five out of sixty, well it's sixty five days. But then you get that fraction of the normal season length. So because of that, if the Jays keep Pearson down for seven days, they'll get another year out of him. Which is good for the Jays and not great for Pearson, but it it does simplify that equation a lot. Yeah, it kind of removes that competitiveness aspect out of it because especially like you could, hey, Nate Pearson, you're going to join us for those while well, the rosters are at 30. And then, oh, you pitched a lot of innings. We needed a pitcher to get called up. Well, you're going to go on option for 10 days and then come right back up. And then what do you Voila. know? He's He went down just because you needed an arm and now he's back and you have him for an extra year. And so it one thing that it should do is make it so that Pearson actually breaks camp with the team. But I fully expect some level of roster shenanigans unless they, you know, get signed to an extension or something. But that doesn't sound overly likely. Mm -hmm. I I feel like we talk about this with Pearson as the main uh, player. But I'm curious, is there any other guys in the day's potential pool that they might do a little bit of manipulating with? Um, Again, because you mentioned it is only seven days. Would they be so bold to do that with like a Bo Bichette or something or, you know, no. maybe another prospect that we're not thinking of? I can't see them doing that. I mean, with Pearson, there's still all the he's only thrown 100 innings in pro baseball. Like it's, <laughs> and it's not like he's going to be able to be building up his innings and in playing inner squad. So there's still like an actual real baseball argument argument for not having him pitch the whole season. Now, the shorter season takes some of that away, but you can't. If they tried to do it with an established part of their roster, they 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 would actually lose that grievance. Yeah. Speaking of grievances, um, that was the the great um, blocker for this season, really, wasn't it? That that the MLB wanted 
everyone, all the players to waive their right to grieve anything that happened during the season? Sort of. I mean, that's that's that that's what stopped things from being done like four days before they were done. Because the, the league put out put a sixty game offer that included expanded playoffs and a bunch of other silly things like advertising on jerseys and no DH for two years instead of just this year, which is a rule this year, by the way. There will be DH. Sorry, not no DH. No pitchers hitting. Full DH. <laughs> um, it's then, gone backwards. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, they didn't agree to that because they said they, they wouldn't be allowed to file a grievance. Um, and they, they think they have a right to file a grievance because the original language said that the league would try to play as many games as possible and all their early offers didn't have that. Right. But the only that, – that specific language about no grievance was only a sticking point for a few days. Still a strange one, I think, for the league to, to put out as an ask. Um... Well, it was like basically the players would get more money because they would get a share of the extra playoff games. And they, you, in the exchange for no grievance. And the players were like, no, we'll just play regular playoff and keep our right to, to file. Well, yeah, because a grievance can – as an individual player, I would never vote to waive my right to grieve um, anything because you know something could have cost me my entire career, which is a heck of a lot more than the proceeds from the playoff games. Unless you're Trevor Bauer. But you know, <laughs> marches to the beat of his own drummer there. Well, you know. I'm not Trevor Bauer, so that's you know not my not not his decision is not my decision. <laughs> uh, is there anything else before we move on over to questions that we have not? I mean, I, there's probably 500 things we haven't touched on. It's, it's the weirdness of you know. It's... Well, there is this new the, the extra inning rule. Yeah, I hate it, it so much. What we we we've, really we've, we've tainted the purity of the game by putting DH everywhere, according to the National League aficionados. So let's just muck up the extra innings thing by putting a runner on second. I take it you don't have a problem with it, Nick? Yeah, I I, I don't really find it particularly problematic. I mean, I love baseball, but there's times in those 18, 19 inning games where I'm just like somebody just end it i don't i'm not even rooting for you know if the jays are in the game i'm barely rooting for the jays at that point i just but those happen like once every five seasons like that right it's, it's not the 18 or 19 inning game that actually really gets affected by this it's like the 12 or 13 and like those are still kind of exciting but yeah so like one this just fundamentally messes with baseball the idea of starting with runners on base i don't now because this is a goofy season to begin with whatever like you can do that but don't start him on second base. Congratulations. <laughs> We're going to get bunt, intentional walk, intentional walk. Like that's going to happen yeah. how many times? Like just start him on first and then at least it like makes things interesting. Screw it. Yeah. Put him on third. Okay, that... <laughs> <laughs> There's pressure for you if you're a pitcher. <laughs> I just want to see between it... third and home and it's a rundown. It starts in a rundown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who has the ball, the catcher or the third yeah. baseman? Uh, you flip yeah, a coin. I'm... I'm guessing the the logic to to just give the other side is given that there's already so many constraints, they just don't want players, you know, extending themselves or getting hurt. Again, in in the case the game does go long and things like that. that. But that's why I think putting them on second is kind of stupid because like second with nobody out, both teams are probably going to score that run more often than they won't. That's true. Yeah. Um, And so like put them on first and it actually, they create some level of intrigue. Like singular, say you're the Royals. You're in the bottom of the ninth. It's you're tied. It's two outs, nobody on, and Billy Hamilton is up. Aren't you just going to tell him to swing and miss three times so we can start on first base and make things crazy interesting in the next inning? Yeah, Terrence Gore is going to get a job this uh, this year. That's for sure. He'll be pinch hitting with two outs in the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's all just very very silly. One thing I really want to happen though. Is for someone to throw a perfect game and lose. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's very possible. Yeah, if the runner starts on second base, like ground out, ground out, run scores. <laughs> you haven't given yeah. up any base runners. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if you're going to muck with it, just make it exciting. Home run derby starts instead of the 11th. Oh, I could get into that. 
Yeah, I'd be yeah. done for that. <laughs> the Jays would the Jays would do well to go to extras too with Vlad. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, see, I would rather something like that that's just so gimmicky. Well, then you know they're like, not going to – Let's try to keep this. Yeah, exactly. If something's so over the top that they're like, uh, yeah, we can't really do that again. That was ridiculous. Yes, <laughs> give me ridiculous, and then we don't have to worry about, well, that wasn't so bad, was it? Yeah, it was. It was it's creeping weirdness into the game. There's enough weirdness with – now <laughs> – the fascinating thing to me is going to be what baseball shows up this season. Yes. Well, that's we got that as a question. So, like, we can uh... we can move to those. Oh no, sorry, you're talking about like what version of the actual baseball? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's gonna <laughs> that it's just so hard to plan for a season like this, like when. I mean, under normal circumstances, planning for a 60-game season has got to be really goofy. But when you don't know if the ball is going to be the ball, like, ah, I mean, especially, <laughs> so, so like you're Cleveland, right? I put this on Twitter. What if Carlos Carrasco says, I am missing a kidney, which is very important, or maybe it's it was liver. I can't remember. But um, uh, very important for fighting off infection. I am not playing. Mm-hmm. So you're. You're Cleveland. You've just lost Carlos Carrasco, who's arguably your best pitcher. Shane Bieber has a case. So does Mike Clevenger. They have good pitching. But you're in this tougher division with the Twins. You've lose, lost all this money. Like, And you're thinking, like, these guys that are, you know, the, the fringe hitters we have on our roster, like, if the ball goes back to normal, we're going to suck. Maybe we should trade Francisco Lindor now, but you can't do that because you have no idea what the playing field is going to be. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. it's demonstrable that the ball has not only, you know, not only gotten springier, but has gone back. It, it's not it, it's not a linear line or a linear line. It's not a straight line for what's happened with the ball. <laughs> it it does it does different things depending on which batch of whatever shows up. Uh, it's going to be a small batch this year because they're playing a whole lot less games. So whatever ball you have in the first couple of weeks, that's probably the ball you have for the whole season. And yeah. It's going to be wacky. Potentially. Okay. that uh, We keep alluding to questions that we have, so we're going to take a breather, and then we're going to come right back with those questions uh, and answer them to the best of our ability, which means that all of the answers are going to be vague and or wrong. We'll see you in a second. <laughs> I promise we would do questions. I get to press this button for the first time and it feels like forever. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Wow. It didn't wear, the recording did not degrade over time. First question from Brian A. At BJ Arsenault, 84... Give me your best Russ Adams story. I, I presume this is without context. I'm just going to presume it has to do with Josh. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been, I was doing these trivia questions throughout the shutdown, just, you know, to give people some kind of baseball thing, right? Like every day at noon and Brian just decided to answer Russ Adams to everything because I don't know that he felt like it. Now, Russ Adams <laughs> was the answer to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> As so JP Richardi found out ages ago. There you go. Well done. <laughs> so this is this is the equivalent of you know getting some Russ Adams trivia. So the the best Russ Adams story is the worst one where the stupid Blue Jays took him with Scott Casimir still on the board. Because so, not not only Scott Casimir, but uh, Cole Hamels was still but, on the board and Nick Cole, Swisher. Yeah, I know. But like at the time, Cole Hamels and Nick Swisher were not like oh Cole Hamels and Nick Swisher. So like I played against bunch of the guys in this draft and like everybody knew everybody it's like scott casimir is like the he's the guy that would go number one overall if it weren't for scott boris or whoever, actually i think i think it was boris but whoever his agent was 
and like his bonus demands were like reasonably high. And then it's like, so I was like, Oh, the Jays actually have a shot to get him. And then it's like, he's still on the board of 14. The blue Jays select from the university of North Carolina, shortstop Russ Adams. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was so bad too. So it's just like, Oh, well, there you go. Another, another interesting thing about that draft is uh, Jeremy Brown was picked in that draft who, if anybody's read Moneyball, Jeremy Brown was kind of like, the the heavy set catcher who the sabermetric leaning people in the Oakland front office were really uh, enamored with, uh, even though he didn't look like a baseball player. I mean, this was the Moneyball draft, right? Yeah. From the- yeah. Swisher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Brown was a bad player. <laughs> <laughs> Busy at Uncle Busy Four asks, "How long do you think it will take for the Jays to find their timing when the season begins?" Uh, and of course, we're going to provide you with the link to the podcast. No problem, Uncle Busy. But you know that Nick, by now. Nick, go first. Weird. Yeah i i heard um, I heard I think it's Will Middlebrooks talking uh, about this, and obviously, insert your Will Middlebrooks joke here about his timing. But um, <laughs> he mentioned he thinks it's going to be an advantage for the pitchers because uh, there's just less in terms of pitching that has to do with timing and hitting. So he kind of anticipated that for the at least for the first few weeks of the season the pitchers would have a big advantage and and you'd see some like low scoring games um and he played he played in the major league so he's no he knows better than me yeah and i think that this is the kind of thing that specifically for the blue jays because that was sort of a general question answer like everybody all the hitters will be behind the pitchers yeah but um i wonder if having such a young team will make it slower just because they've got all these guys that are working on fixing this or just, you know, perfecting that as opposed to like Vlad, like trying to lift the ball more Shaw trying to revert back to his previous swing. Whereas like, if you just got a veteran team, it's like they've been doing the same thing for so long that they might be able to get going faster. Yeah. Unless those guys are slow starters like Edwin Encarnacion, in which case does a slow starter figure out how to sort his thing out before a month is gone? Because now your month of getting your feet under you is a half a season. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's a little skewed. It's like, it's not like you get to start, be a starter who goes every two and a half days now, right? Still five day, five man rotation. So yeah. yeah. Unless you're the angels, but uh, <laughs> want me to read this next one, Greg, since you seem to want to tackle sure. this part. This is from L at Ellie, Ellie Hart. What do you think it would take for MLB to reverse course and cancel the season again? I don't think it would take much, personally. I think if you have one team that has um, has a multiple positive tests on the same, even in the same week, um, and and has to pull multiple guys out to the point where it doesn't appear that they're I won't say competitive, but it doesn't appear that they're able to compose their team in a way that they want to. I think there's going to be a huge discussion about whether this is safe for the players and what the long-term goal is. And and I don't think it takes much for that to happen when you've got teams playing in Texas and, like we said, in Arizona and Florida where um, there are all kinds of problems in the general population. And I know we're trying to keep players out of the general population, but I we tried to keep, you know, there's lots of places around the world where they try to keep certain populations away from people. And other than sequestering everyone in Disney world, like the NBA is going to try, I don't know if it works. So I think, I think this is a ticking time bomb waiting to go off in terms of canceling the season again. Well, and the, one of the interesting things which we haven't really discussed is that players can opt out of playing. So, like I mentioned Carlos Carrasco with Cleveland, but there are all kinds of other people, players who have underlying conditions who can opt out and still get paid and still get their service time. And I'm sorry, was, I had that wrong. Carrasco had leukemia. It's David Dahl with Colorado that had the, the either kidney. kidney or liver. I can't. Yeah. But uh, the issue where he like, it just doesn't make sense for him to play. And, you know, there's going to be a bunch of guys like that. So like if you're already down players and then, you get COVID going through a clubhouse and four or five, six guys can't play until they've tested negative twice. It's like, well, how does this work exactly? Yeah. I mean, let's think back to what happened with the NBA. And again, 
the the proof here is going to be if if someone uh, say test positive or you have two people who test positive on team A and they played team B the previous night and two of those people immediately test positive on their next round of testing whenever that is you're you're going to find out pretty quick that that how contagious this is and whether the supposed limited contact that a baseball player would have is is worth it what happens if a crew of umpires goes down because they all get covid <laughs> like there's yeah. Mm-hmm. So many things where one thing goes wrong and the whole thing starts to collapse really, really quickly because of a combination of, of, of a numbers problem and of fear. And I don't see yeah. that there's any reason for those those things to stop being a problem. Yeah, I mean, baseball, one thing it does have going forward is that it is played outside. And all the other sports, basketball, hockey, or so I guess both the other sports that are starting back up. You know, they're indoors and the transmission rates of the disease are much higher indoors than outdoors. But, yeah, there's still just way too many things that can go wrong. So if you were going to take a bet on whether they finish the season or not, I'm going to sell bet that they do just because I think they're going to be so stubborn about it that they'll try to get it through. But whether they should or should not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wonder, too, if there's going to be, um, you know, social pressures from you know, people within the teams to, to just, you know, make sure that the players are being very cautious about where they're going and what they're doing when they're not playing. And obviously, like Josh said earlier, you know, you can't force them to, you know, go or not go places in, in their own time. But, um, you know, they're all very, very competitive people. And if you have, uh, you know, competitive veterans on that team, you know, trying to set an example for the rest of the team and you know nobody pro- nobody on those teams wants their season shut down because a bunch of people tested positive cuz you know they went to Outback Steakhouse or something uh and you also don't be, want to be the guy that comes in and gets the rest of your team sick yeah so i mean i think i like i firmly believe that the players will be careful and that they will do everything they can to not you know, make things worse, but there's just, you know, as Greg is alluding to, they're just bad to begin with. So it's like the, unfortunately the base level is just, is the danger is still high enough that it's at risk. Yeah. And, and you have um, a lot of young men in this league who are not signed to a contract that is going to make them money for the rest of their lives. Right. They're signed to a, a very, yeah. you know, a, a league minimum contract, which for you and I is a ton of money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, they're not compensated, but if I am, um, if I am in my early twenties and there's a possibility that I am going to be about to be exposed to a disease that we've seen in a certain number of cases messes up your, either your breathing or your kidneys or whatever else for the rest of your life, that's even at the most most cynical is me exposing myself to loss of all that future earning potential for what for a little trophy at the end of the year or i can wait a year and maybe things will be a lot safer for me and like you alluded to josh there's some guys who already know that it's a bad idea to be out there where there could be infected people um you know, it, it it doesn't take much for us to get to a critical mass of people who are like, you know what, this just doesn't feel safe anymore. Even if they're wrong, like in their, their calculation in their head, um, that doesn't mean they can't get to that calculation. Okay. Andrew Arnold has a question. At Arnie underscore 12. What even is baseball? I think I forget. I hear this man. <laughs> yeah. What even is the baseball? That's why I first read that question like that. I was like, oh, we got a question. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, it it seems very far away from, you know, the playoffs in, in 2015 and 2016 or the the long grind of, a of you know, the dog days of summer where your team is 10 games out and 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 you've been watching the same pitchers take a turn for weeks and weeks and weeks and keep hoping that they're going to be either better or healthier or, or, you know, or harness whatever flashes of brilliance you've seen. Like that's where my head should be at at this point. Right. 
And I'm so far away from that. It's really weird. Yeah, I made a point personally to not follow anything related to sports for basically, you know, the last three months. Um, There's just kind of like enough, enough stuff to kind of get discouraged about without following along any of the storylines of, uh, you know, of these leagues trying to, to negotiate between the owners and players and get back on the field and all the intertwined elements of like public health. It's just, there, there was enough, you know, stuff <laughs> yeah. to be frustrated about. And so I literally, I, it's, it's, I, this, this has been like the last few days, you know, I'm, I realized this was the first summer of my life where there wasn't baseball on, on TV. And, um, for all, all the potential problems. And I think we do need to take them seriously. And if, we can't manage the health and safety part. We shouldn't have baseball, but I do think if, if we can have baseball back, it, it is going to go uh, a long way to, to making this situation a little more bearable for, for everyone. Yeah. And it's just, you know, sort of what you're talking about, like not trying to get involved in all the back and forth with like sport Donia, yeah. like our podcast that we were doing, we didn't do one last month because uh, you know, it just, there wasn't as much. We both had things, a lot of other stuff going on, but um, we were just going backwards, you know, like remembering yeah. the times when they were playing and the good stuff. And like, that was the, that's what the trivia that I was doing was as well. And so, you know, it, it, as you said, like couch, like everything, everything goes with the, like the, the health and safety thing is the most important, but it will be nice having baseball. Oh yeah. No doubt. And, and it is going to be, it's going to be this crazy, you know, crazy brand of DH everywhere, runners on second and extra innings, 60 game sprint. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. And very, very quiet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Josh, first for a final thought. Yeah. So we didn't bring up the draft, which happened a couple of weeks ago. We were, going to do something about that and maybe we'll still going down the road get someone on here to really give us a breakdown of what they did but uh so it sounds like they did very well by all accounts like austin martin who i want to talk about specifically talk about (laughs) uh one of the interesting things about with these rosters that we were talking about the 60 man rosters the initial roster has to be set by tomorrow and uh, after that you can only deal with players on it so I'm missing. I'm guessing the Jays probably want him among their 60 players because he's an advanced college guy. That way, he's just he's playing as opposed to sitting out. So they still haven't signed him yet, though. <laughs> so <laughs> now I think you can. I think you can add someone to it if you don't fill the 60 man group. So it might not be as pressing a deadline, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. So yeah, well, rules, man. Uh, the By the way, I said better. tomorrow. We're recording this on Saturday, so <laughs> the twenty seventh. Yeah, so for context, the twenty eighth at three four p.m. is the deadline for the for setting the initial rosters. Uh, did you have a final thought, Nick? Yeah, I'm. I'm very very interested to see how this kind of shortened season is going to um, is going to affect who who is competitive and who isn't. Um, you know, I think we're going to see some surprises and who makes the playoffs. And I think that's not only going to be really interesting and fun to watch this season, I think it's going to be like an interesting, uh, an interesting thing moving forward because the CBA is expiring at the end of 2021 and just seeing again, teams that are not necessarily the best teams on paper, uh, in contention late into the year, or maybe, you know, sneaking into the playoffs, I think um, is going to color those negotiations differently because uh, you know, playoff revenues and team spending money to try to be competitive as opposed to tanking uh, were definitely topics that, that got you know, discussed a lot uh, in relation to a new CBA. So I, I am curious to see how all the surprises that come with this season uh, do a, affect kind of teams, teams deciding whether or not to go for it moving forward. One thing that's actually interesting just about the playoff revenue part, if they can't have fans, there's no added playoff revenue for making it. Yeah. Because uh, it's just league-wide revenue for the TV deals, which are split evenly. Oh, is it? I didn't uh... – wow. <laughs> so I was actually going to allude to that in my final thought. The fans, or lack thereof, is – 
I, w- I know we've seen this in Korea because they've been playing baseball now for a little while where they've tried to fill the seats up with various things, including, um, uh, you know, mannequins and stuffed animals and everything else. But the, I think that it's really going to hit me when I'm watching a game, the foreign aspect of this season. It isn't really going to sink in until someone hits a home run and there's a smatter of clapping and and that's it because there's <laughs> there's like the team president and and three people who uh you know who are generally in the clubhouse and somebody else in the stands and that's it and the taxi squad players which aren't allowed to sit in the dugout <laughs> yeah so they're but they're all spaced out like six seats apart or whatever they have to be from the people who are in the <laughs> it's just it's going to be like oh yeah this is the new baseball and it's great that it's back but it's it's an entirely different animal than everything we've ever known up until this point. One thing about this, by the way, I totally agree with everything you just said. But uh, some of these teams are now saying, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have fans, right? We're we're, oh. we're gonna try to have fans." <laughs> First off, if you're the union, you're like grievance, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the entire negotiations were built on the fact that they were saying that they couldn't afford whatever because they weren't gonna have fans. But also, say that. I don't know how the Marlins or one of the teams playing to do this can have one. They don't have any fans, but two, <laughs> it's Florida. Like, how can you let them have fans in Florida? But say six or seven or thirteen teams within their state rules are allowed to have fans, you know, twenty five percent capacity or whatever. How do they handle that with the terms of revenue sharing? Because, like, say you're the Blue Jays, right? And say they get permission to play in Toronto. They're not allowed to have fans. Like you, their gatherings like that are banned. Mm-hmm. And then the Cubs are out there with two, 3,000 fans in the stands. Like, Are they just allowed to keep that extra revenue even though they're playing on a completely uneven playing field? So I'm very curious to see how something like that gets settled. Uh, this is certainly going to be a season with more questions than answers right through, I think, until whatever constitutes a World Series final is played. Um, and that's, yeah, that's just on a long list. So... We come to the point where I say that uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka. And I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars number 174. And we will talk at you very soon. Mm-hmm.